ain't about how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. It's almost a real fucking folks. Hola y bienvenidos a Relatinos. My name is Mael. This is Buti. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? This is Ron. ¿Qué tal? And we are real Latinos covering Latin American cinema. Uh, before we get started, let's talk about the movie we're going to talk about today, La Yuma. So, La Yuma, please go and watch the movie before you come and listen to this episode because we'll be spoiling it from the very, very beginning. So, please, everyone, go ahead, watch the movie. Uh, it is available on Canopy, so please, please, please go and watch it for free, and then come on back and listen to the episode. So, everyone, how's everyone doing? Guti, I think you got some uh, got some exciting news for us. Some real, real cool collaborations going on over there. With, with... What's oh, going yeah. on over there? Oh, yeah. So, uh, my friends Ian and Mackenzie over at the uh, Criterion Connection invited me on to talk about what I believe is the greatest film of all time. And I'm Whoa. talking about 1948, The Red Shoes. Um, it was an absolute dream, uh, speaking to both of them about the film. Um, like I kind of mentioned on the pod, without that film, I'm kind of not here doing real Latinos. Um, I don't have like my love for classic film. And, um, and yeah, so the conversation was absolutely great. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, as you guys know, every single time that I can, I do mention the red shoes on this pod. Um, so I and mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big film, <laughs> big, big, big film. And I'm, I'm really glad and I'm happy with all the, the good and hard work that, uh, Mackenzie and Ian are, are doing over there. So please, please go give them a listen, give a listen to the episode. Uh, I thought it was really, really good. And, uh, yeah, hope you all enjoy it. Yeah, it, you you did a great job, and it was a it was, it was a really good episode. The the three of you um had a really really fun, really interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to Ismail finally watching the movie. So yeah, I was gonna to say like, now right. I really have to go watch that movie. Like I own it. I have basically no excuse to not watch it, but I just never made the time for it. But now I have to make time to go out and listen to the Criterion Connection, starring Mackenzie and Ian, but feature feature guest Guti on the on the podcast. So. Yeah, I mean, it's finally going to happen. I'm finally going to watch The Red Shoes. Um, the funny thing is, is that Ismail and I were in a movie theater together that was actually showing the, the Yeah, movie they were in, showing The Red the Shoes. Yeah, and, and, and we went yeah. to something else. Yeah, we want to go see Santa instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really exciting. That's really exciting. Check out the Criterion. Criterion movies, you know, very, um, very, very popular for being popular. Letterboxd. Usually get really high ratings. They're usually like on the letterbox top two fifty and stuff. Um, and on the letterbox top two fifty, that's another thing we have to talk about is the algorithm. The algorithm has changed up, and now the top two fifty, they are basically making it more fair for um, the movies that are being placed on the top two fifty to make it more reflective of what the actual movies are that are that should be on the top two fifty. I don't remember that total ins and outs of what the uh, algorithmic change was but unfortunately that left uh, the top 250 dropping down to only two movies from Latin America two movies uh, being there and it's uh, City of God and Soy Cuba both I mean I've watched City of God fantastic movie definitely yep. deserves to be on the top 250 I've not watched Soy Cuba but I heard loads about it and I have been meaning to watch it. Um, it is Cuban. It's arguably more of a Russian film, but still, it's a Latin American film, nonetheless. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. So thoughts on thoughts on this algorithmic change from y'all, for from Letterbox. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of going back to our like sight and sound discussion we had on uh, you know a while back. I mean. We've covered a lot of films on this podcast, right? And I also brought this up on the Criterion Connection. I'm like, we've covered a lot of films Another on this plot. podcast, <laughs> and I yeah, <laughs> and I know that it's not for a lack of quality. There is some good, great quality films 
in Latin America. And that's, I mean, that's why we started this podcast, right? Is to, to make sure that we can shed a light on those filmmakers and films that have not gotten that light. And I think that's part of the, the problem that's currently happening is that there's not enough exposure of films. I mean, just to give you a little sneak behind the, the curtains, like when we're trying to figure out like what films we want to cover, especially when we're trying to cover films from other countries that may not be well known for their filmmaking, such as, you know, Puerto Rico or, or even today's episode like Nicaragua, it's been really hard to find them on any of the U.S. services over here. And let's just call it like it is. The U.S. is a, you know, it's a major country for films and filmmaking. So, um, yeah, I think it's just really more of an exposure problem and not really kind of like how Letterboxd, you know, is currently weighing their, their films or, you know, which is one, which is two, three, four, et cetera. Um, so, I don't know. We just got to keep pushing and hopefully uh, more and more people will, will eventually see the brilliance that we the brilliance that we see in Latin America film. What do you think, Ron? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of felt the same way. It was, I, I don't remember um, what was on there before. It's, it's not on there anymore. Um, but uh, it, it is pretty disheartening. And it was, you know, like, when we first started having discussions about, you know, making this podcast, a big part of it was because, you know, like we, we, you know, I, out of, I forget which one of us made the joke, but you know, that like when people talk about, you know, like the greatest films and filmmakers, it's always Kurosawa and a bunch of white guys. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> the letterbox 250 is very reflective of that. Uh, and which, I mean, like all, all the movies that are on there or from what I've seen, they're great. And the ones that I haven't seen yet, I'm assuming that those are great too. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of those films. It's, it is just, you know, it's a matter of getting people, you know, like spreading the awareness, like, you know, getting people to, um, hopefully seek out, you know, these, these movies. And then, and then on top of that, just, you know, for the sake of even more visibility, log and rate them on Letterboxd. Um, yeah. You know, because that, you know, like if, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have a letterbox account, like, you know, it's, it, it's free and it's really fun, you know, tracking oh. your, your movie watching and stuff. So, so please like go and, uh, you know, if, if you follow us every week and you don't have a letterbox account, create one and log the movies along with us and, and, and rate them. And, you know, even just that little bit will, will help, you know, like we see how many people there are that, that listen to us every week. So if, um. You know, if there's any of you that, that aren't, you know, logging that stuff, you know, it, it will, it will help quite a bit, um, you know, as far as like the visibility of these movies that we're covering. Yeah. And I want to stress the the point that y'all already made, um, just to make it very clear. Uh, we do not fault Letterboxd in the slightest, not one bit. Like we totally understand yep. that like the new algorithmic change is ultimately for the better. And what we really have a concern with is not the fact that I mean, we're concerned with the fact that the, there's not many Latin American films on the top 250, but it's not Letterboxd's fault. Now it's like, it's uh, the movie watching community. Like we have to like be more aware of it. And that's the reason why we're doing this podcast in the first place. Um, I gotta be honest, it still boggles my mind that some like masterpieces are not there. Like, you do my map también is not there. And like, right. what? Like I know, like I just about every uh, person that's into movies that I've ever met that has watched it has just absolutely loved it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, again, again, not Letterboxd's fault. Like, I like I feel like uh, we recently had a talk about this, like, in a in a Discord, and I think some, you know, some things were, like, like I, I think it's hard to, to give tone on, on tech, as it's, uh, oh. it's pretty well-known. So um, we hope everyone here knows that, like, we are totally on board with this algorithmic change, 100%. It's just that we are also on board with people... You know, giving Latin American movies a chance, checking them out, and um, just having a nice time with them. You know, just yesterday I watched um, Diez de Antonio. Uh, it's directed by Roberto Garbaldon, the same guy that made Macario, same two main actors in Macario. Um, and it's a five-star banger, you know, and it's like such a great movie. I hope that everyone gets to watch it. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's about visibility and it's about really giving it our all to try and like Ron said, go and log it, you know? All of y'all that are listening, get a Letterboxd account if you don't have one already and log the movies along. Um, it really does uh, help a lot. Isn't Don't do not do it just for us. And, like, we feel really happy when when, they, when we see these, these reviews come in. 
but you know ultimately it's going to help out you know the movie itself if you think it's good and you promote mm-hmm. it and other people see that you like it and people like your opinions um and they'll go and give it a chance too so uh yeah please 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 go and give latin american movies a chance that's why you're here listening to us and um hopefully you can continue on continue on don't just watch the movies that we watch but explore explore around a bit about the country that, that we've been covering yep uh, but with that, let's go into today's topic, which is La Yuma. La Yuma, Nicaraguan film. Our first Nicaraguan film here on the podcast. So, uh, Guti, Nicaraguan extraordinaire. Please go ahead and take it away for the historical context for La Yuma. Today's film, La Yuma, holds a very big milestone in the history of Nicaraguan cinema. Upon its release in 2009, it was the first full-length feature film to come out of Nicaragua in the past 20 years the last being El Espectro de la Guerra, or The Ghost of the War. The film is directed by Florence Awe, a French movie director, actress, producer, and screenwriter. Awe traveled to Nicaragua in 1984 to be the lead actress in the movie El Señor Presidente, directed by the Cuban director Manuel Octavio Gomez. While there, she fell in love with the country and ultimately decided to move there permanently. In 1989, as Nicaraguan Films Institute in Cine began to deteriorate as it lost government funding due to the Contra War and an embargo imposed by the U.S., Awe and her partner, fellow filmmaker Frank Pineda, decided to set up in Managua Camila Films Production Company, an independent film company directing and producing short and documentary films, and eventually La Yuma. Awe's filmmaking is often focused on the poverty-stricken people of Nicaragua, such as their short film, Cinema Alcazar, which is about the people that live in the ruins of an earthquake-destroyed movie house from the 1950s located in the center of Managua. It is while she filmed this short, speaking with the locals, that she obtained the idea for La Yuma. The pre-production process was a lengthy one, taking almost 10 years to write the script and obtain the financing for the film, which was mostly financed by foreign and Nicaraguan private investors. Though the pre-production took a while, from the onset, according to Awe, she had the ideal person in mind to play Yuma, Alma Blanco. Alma was a professional ballerina with no acting experience at the time, but Awe figured that Blanco would be a great fit given her personality and her training as a ballerina helped with the footwork required for the boxing scene. Given the struggles with financing that this film had, it used mostly non-professional actors and was shot in a little over six weeks. Though I couldn't find an exact budget number that I felt confident in, Awe, in an interview with AP, suggested that the cost of filming this movie was equivalent to the cost of filming a day or half a day in Hollywood. I mean, that's as any as it gets. It may even dive into micro-budget filmmaking. Upon its release, the film would go on to play at several festivals and receive some acclaim, including Premio Magé, which is awarded for the best first film at the Guadalajara International Film Festival. For Alma Blanco, she would go on to win Silverware of her own, receiving the Best Latin American Act Award at the Malaga Spanish Film Festival. Other films have been released in Nicaragua since La Yuma, but with the continued lack of funding from government, the releases have been far and few between. La Yuma is still the film that many associate Nicaraguan filmmaking with. What a synops- audio synopsis. <laughs> Historical context. Thank you so much, Guti, for that. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is this like one of the more famous Nicaraguan movies because uh, I remember when I was looking up different movies uh, from Nicaragua uh, those that are like narrative features at least uh, La Yuma seems to be like one of the top ones that I that I remember like yeah that's what that's that's why I like mentioned that it the one most associated with Nicaraguan filmmaking mm-hmm. so, yeah it's yeah. uh yeah great stuff great stuff and so again spoiler for the movie so before you listen to the synopsis of what this is all about. Go and check it out. So Ron, why don't you go ahead and take it away with the synopsis for La Yuma. La Yuma is a girl who lives in a poor Nicaraguan barrio who dreams of being a boxer. She wants to spend her days practicing boxing, but her mother makes her go to a job at a second-hand clothing store with the manager, Scarlett. Yuma's friend, Yadir, who was once part of a gang but now owns a gym, tells her that he signed her up to train at an official boxing gym where she will be able to take part in real matches and possibly make a name for herself. One day, while working at the store, Yuma witnesses her brother steal a backpack from a boy her age, Ernesto. Yuma steals the backpack back from her brother and upon looking at a picture of Ernesto that was in the backpack, decides to return it to him. 
As thanks, Ernesto invites her to a bar and they start dating. The two of them go on dates and talk about the future, and Ernesto watches Yuma practice. However, Ernesto is beaten up by Yuma's brother and ex-boyfriend and accuses her of being manipulative and tricking him into believing she is good, and breaks up with her. The Yuma enters her first boxing match and win. Scarlett, Yadir, and Yuma's friend Lakubana all cheer her on. When Yuma gets home, she discovers her mother's boyfriend has been abusing her younger sister and moves out with her younger siblings to Lakubana's house. Scarlett and Yadir help out as well by donating clothing and money. Yadir gets her a gig at a circus that is looking for a boxing act. Yuma decides to leave her barrio with her two younger siblings to work at the circus, and finally gets out like she always won. Thank you so much, Ron, for a wonderful synopsis. So, I mean, this is my very first Nicaraguan movie, so I have never seen La Yuma or any uh, of Florence's work or Alma Blanco's work. Alma Blanco, I think this might be her only movie, but... um. Yeah, do y'all have any experience or uh, background with La Yuma or um, the director or even Nicaraguan cinema in general? Me, not, to be honest, even though I'm Nicaraguan, not really. Um, we didn't really grow up, at least my household, watching Nicaraguan cinema. And I know that it's very hard for it to get made in Nicaragua and also the distribution's a pain in the neck. Um so I feel like, you know, here in America, it was kind of like an advantage to kind of see those type of films. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm super excited to cover this film. I'm glad we could find it on streaming somewhere. That's the other hurdle, too. Mm. Ron, how about you? Yeah, no, the only thing, um, uh, Juan Carlos Garcia, who played uh, La Cubana, uh, he was in a movie called Habana Eva that I I didn't see the whole thing. It's a Venezuelan, like, rom-com from... Out of like 2011 or something like that. Um, I've seen a little bit of that, but that's the only history I have with anybody involved with making this. Is that uh, the character who uh, houses La Yuma? Yeah. In, yeah mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we're diving on the deep end for all three of us. So very exciting. I, I do. I really love it when we have this sort of movie because now we're we're diving deep. We're diving deep. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Is I would like to say. Um, some of the major points that we'd like to really highlight, and it's pretty evident in this movie, is that of gender roles in La Yuma. So uh, we have this, uh, our well, our main character, Yuma, and she's a boxer. Boxing is obviously very voted to be a very masculine sport. And she has a trainer who is a stripper. And stripping is uh, a very, you know, uh, feminine sport, a very feminine uh, activity that, that um, or at least it's associated with that. And, uh, I think Channing Tatum would disagree with you. But. Yeah, Channing Tatum would disagree, <laughs> but, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's talk to Steven Soderbergh. Let's, let's get him on the pod to, to talk. Is Steven Soderbergh Latino? I don't know. So let's check it out. But, um, yeah, so, so that, like, gender roles are being switched over here. There is a, a trans character, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, she's... Just you know, accepted. So mm-hmm. that was really that was really more nice. or less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. More or less. Uh, at least by by the main characters, she's mm-hmm. accepted. Uh, so, yeah. Generals in this movie uh, having um, things just not coinciding with what uh, you know gender wise is is expected of them. So, uh, Guti, this is your pick. Why don't you go ahead and uh, let's talk about the generals here with Layuma. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think I've mentioned on this podcast that. Nicaragua essentially has three exports, basically cigars, rum, and baseball. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. also a fourth export, and that is boxing. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of like what Ismael was talking about, boxing is definitely in Nicaragua a very male-dominated sport. I mean, it, I would consider Nicaragua also a very patriarchal society. Um, and so, you know, you don't really see like characters like Yuma showing up to a boxing gym and training. Um, and, and Nicaragua has had success in boxing with uh, a, f- a couple of their fire- fighters like Alexi Arguello and, and Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, um, who, funny enough, also shares kind of the same back story as uh, La Yuma, um, coming from the barrio of Managua. Um, and so it was it was kind of great to see that this, you know, that this brilliantly kind of like independent woman who 
you know, she's going to do whatever the hell she wants. That doesn't matter who, what people tell her. Right. Um, I know that there's the time where like the gangster slash drug dealer guys are kind of like making fun of her for doing boxing and being like, what are you, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Like, this is like whatever. Right. Um, and she responds like, yeah, my, you know, basically I'm not, I don't have the same ancient or old style views that you have. Right. So I really love seeing Mm -hmm. those type of interactions and her standing up for herself. And a lot of times it seemed like she actually knew what she was doing and what was best for her, uh, rather than having to follow everyone else. But I don't know how, how do you guys feel about her or the way she's portrayed stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to be a, a, a sucker for, any anything that portrays someone you know doing something that they're quote unquote not supposed to do um you know like going beyond like what their expectations are um and uh so yeah seeing you know seeing her her box and um and stuff like that but then other other things too just the way um she navigates the relationships that she has in in the movie um kind of like uh you know we're weren't really like what um what you would expect the the in the in particular was like the dynamic the dynamic between her and her mother and her mother's boyfriend um that's that's i think the thing that stood out to me especially because you know like they uh the way that her mother's boyfriend is portrayed is you know um i guess can sort of be cliched in 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 a way but um you know the fact that he was kind of like you know, lying around making the women do everything for him and, and support him and stuff, but still like, you know, barking orders and, you know, like trying to be imposing and, and stuff like that. And I, you know, there's one particular scene in the end where she, you know, like stands up to him, like, you know, once and for all kind of, and I, you know, I really dug that, that moment in the movie. Yeah. When he gets socked in the face, it's just, I mean, <laughs> chef's kiss stuff. Yeah. I really hated this dude. And humorous to your place and yeah i really i really enjoy Yuma's character i do that breaking that the gender role something that is uh sorely not mean uh at least in cinema coming out of like smaller countries at least i feel uh countries that don't have the, okay. the resources to make their like movies as many movies as other places do so to have that be like one of the main Nicaraguan films I think is I think it's great you know so absolutely yeah uh yeah so and then on on top of that uh I also really enjoy the fact that you know anyone that is in the close circle of the main character uh the main character is obviously like super duper caring you know there's a there's a character with Down syndrome and even though he's being mm-hmm. like totally like bullied by the people that he hangs out with and used uh yuma always like cares for him or like always like looks out for him uh-huh. and in the end where they're like cheering for her in the circus you know he's there in the crowd which i think right. is really nice right. uh so and then on top of that is the uh the trans character like Oana, you know uh she's always using the right pronouns for her and it, it's never like they never bring it up Right, it's just something that she does. They never have a conversation about it. Uh, there is, of course, you know, some uh, transphobia, homophobia, other characters in in the movie. So, uh, but I do, I do enjoy the fact that that Yuma and uh, the character that we're following is just, you know, being a good person. You know, mm-hmm. like it's right. not hard to be a good person, and uh, she she's really killing it. You know, just being um, really nice. So, yeah. Uh, not only that too, but like this, I mean, this movie came out in 2009. Um, so that, you know, for, for when it came out, where it came out, that's pretty progressive even by, you know, like yeah. Hollywood standards. Uh, yeah. By Hollywood, for sure. 2009. Yeah. And, and, yeah. It, and it took her, uh, the director, it took her 10 years to write it. So, I mean, she's cooking this mm. 99. So it's even mm-hmm. more progressive, you know? So yeah, yeah it, was, pretty, it was great to see. Yep. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, yeah, but in terms also in terms of the gender roles, I thought like they really, they really showed you as like a totally old character, you know, not, not just like a, a, a female who has masculine, a masculine mm-hmm. side, rather 
she's just got everything you know like when when she's looking at the dress before she's even going to go hang out with this other dude uh from the university she just liked the dress and she wanted to like look at it and she was like kind of looking the mirror with it on uh and you know she she's really in touch with like you know her masculine side her feminine side just is a real three-dimensional character yeah i really really enjoyed that yeah i 100 percent agree with you because a lot of the times like as good natured as as it is sometimes i'll you know i'm not going to give any examples i don't want to rub anyone the wrong way but you know there's films that i watch temporary cinema that i'm like dude you literally just made this female character two-dimensional and it's because Mm -hmm. you know you want to avoid getting into a stereotype of how they've been portrayed on film um but the fact of the matter is that we're all dimensional characters, right? So by you mm-hmm. making characters two-dimensional, in a way, you're still kind of falling into the same trap of portraying you know, female characters in a certain way, whether it be like they're sensitive or, you know, you can think of probably all the million stereotypes mm-hmm. that are going through right. that. So I really enjoy the fact that she did have that three-dimensionality that Mel's talking about. Yeah, she seemed very comfortable with herself. Like, even though there was that, like, uh, push and pull of like, oh, you know, like she can't be a boxer, like, you know, um, but she never, it, she was unwavering in that, but also too, like it wasn't, um, there was definitely more to her personality than just being a boxer, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't like there was a, a checklist that was being like ticked off. Like she mm-hmm. just, you know, um, like, you know, Ismail, you brought up the, you know, her working in, in the store and looking at, you know, like different outfits and, and things like that. Um, and showing her, you know, going on on her dates or, or whatever she did. Also, too, like the fact that, you know, like she kind of hung out with, with the gang and everything and she was a little more rough and tumble than you would expect yeah. uh, a, a protagonist to, to be in a story like this. Um, yeah, it all, like, she, she played the role very easily. I wonder how much of it was written versus how much of it was just, you know, like they, they told her, like, okay, like kind of, you know, play yourself or, or, or whatever. Um also, too, I didn't know that she was a ballerina, but that um, that actually that makes a lot of sense to me. Even in the uh, later when she's in the circus, there's the bit of them. You know, there's a little bit of like ballet in oh, that. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, yeah. that was that was a nice little nod. Yeah, I think that. I was reading um, the 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 periódico newspaper from Nicaragua, La Prensa. I believe it was La Prensa. Uh, okay. the, they're like, oh no, where where is Alba now? Um, I think it was like written in 2020 and. Uh, they're basically saying she's still a professional ballerina. She no longer lives in the country. She now lives in France. Um, and, but, oh. uh, but yeah, she's she's still granted it out. I don't think she's gotten any roles after this. Um, I know in an interview that I saw, I'm not sure when it took place, but um, she mentioned that, you know, she would still be interested in it, but I'm assuming, I guess, maybe that. No roles in film or ballet? In film, in film, in film. Oh, Got to okay. get yeah. in touch with Celine Sciamma. I yeah. know, I know. Yeah. I know. That'd be amazing. Gotta do it. But, but yeah, I remember I was looking at some of the interviews that she was making like during the press tour for this movie. And she said that like she had a train to be a boxer and that while they were in, in the filming that the director was telling her, you know, like you're still fighting like a dancer. Don't feel like a dancer, fight like a boxer, you know? And right. that, that it was like a, a big thing that she had to keep on trying to adjust because uh, yeah, she's just got the ballet so ingrained in her movement that they really had to make her, uh, get into the boxing mindset. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, ballet is great for agility, man. That's that's where they have oh, yeah. one players and stuff practice it. So. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of going also on the, the topic of the gender rules too, I love how at least this film attempts to try to subvert some like the Hollywood cliches. Like, you know, she could have just fallen in love with that guy from the college, right? And then rode off into the sunset and flown to Miami to yeah. be with her, you know, with her, with his dad or whatever. But, uh, I love at least that it took the chance to kind of get away from that and, you know, go on a different route as we see, you know, like she basically, that guy just tells her, you know, I, oh, I hate you now and blah, 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 you know, the typical conversation, <laughs> uh, that he gets suckered into. Uh, but I, at least I, I like that part. I like the attempt of trying to <laughs> at least not fall into that trap. Or, you know, showing us, like, her winning, like, you know, this meteoric rise where she's, like, on the national level or something like that. Which I think part of it is budgetary concerns, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, again, I like that it's trying to at least subvert those tropes. 
Yeah. yeah. If if this exact movie were made in Hollywood, um, yeah, she she would have married the boyfriend, and mm-hmm. or like they would have gotten back. Like he would have been like waiting at the end of the movie, like in the parking lot. Yeah, or yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> like now, now that you've you know like won the championship, I'm you know like you know like I'll now I'll, I'll take you back. Like you know, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah I, I like that they they sidestepped the the, the storybook um, aspects that tend to get thrown into to to movies like this. I like you know Gucci and I are. are, are typically on the same page when it comes to stuff that's a little more downbeat yeah um, and uh yeah, bunch I, of downers I, I... in this freaking podcast <laughs> yeah. man i swear <laughs> but yeah. you know i i also really enjoyed the subverting of the expectation not necessarily of the relationship even though that also but i really enjoyed as Guti pointed out that in any other movie and as Guti pointed out probably because of bunch of character in any other movie yuma is now the the world champion you know mm-hmm. and it's like all right do we do we got to go there you know like not everyone's a world champion um and on top of that i don't think she was like looking to be the world champion she just wanted to get out of the situation that she was right. in and at the end of the day you know she was successful in that and that's all she needs like at least at, for the point of the story so <laughs> i really enjoyed that it did like come out of the left field for me like wow yeah. a circus okay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I did think that was like a little crazy, like 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 not crazy, but like super random. But I mean, I buy it, you know. Uh-huh. All right, cool. Like let's let's find the circus now. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And and then also, I th- I thought the relationship that she had with that university, it was I thought it was a cute relationship. You know, they really did like each other when they went on the beach. It was really nice, you know, carrying her into the ocean. Uh, or uh, when they went to that concert, you know. <laughs> The lead singer doing yeah. air guitar, I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> metal. Uh, yeah, yeah, super metal. Uh, I thought it was funny that also that the the song that they sang in that was Nica in Costa Rica, and then later <laughs> yeah. on, and then later on, the the dude that robs the truck, he is from Nicaragua. He's like Me voy a Costa Rica. That was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but yeah, overall, I thought I thought that the relationship that they had was really cute. Um, I also really hate. Yuma's brother really just he's just a little he's a scoundrel and he's always uh robbing stuff messing stuff up for Yuma was like super done with it and you know she stands up to him and I really enjoy how she just stands up to everybody in this movie that like really tries to 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 put her down you know and I think also she's she's just so like level-headed and knows exactly the type of situation that she's in like at the like at the ending, instead of waiting it out, waiting to get the next professional boxing match and things like that, she immediately goes up to the trainer and says, "When's my next fight? If it's not soon, I'm out of here." And that's exactly what she does. And she, yeah, really, really well done, really well played by Alma here for for La Yuma. Yeah, I think the other the other thing I really enjoyed about this film, at least watching it from a Nicaraguan perspective, is all the little details that they're able to get into this film that maybe only if like you visited or lived in Nicaragua or from there would know. So like, for example, um, <laughs> there's like the time where she's kind of looking at her bruise that she got on her eye and the mural behind her. I don't know if you guys noticed that on the wall, there's a bird. That's actually the Nicaraguan national bird. Um, mm-hmm. so I was just like, Oh, that's a nice little detail. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're talking about Cordova's, uh, there's some choice cuss words that uh, I won't repeat, but you know, very, very Nicaraguan. Like basically, if if you don't go up to someone and you're like, you know, what's up, cuss word, uh, basically you aren't friends. Like that's literally all the relationships I've ever known in Nicaragua. You know how I've talked to everyone that I that I'm close with. Um, you know, there's other like verbiage like estas un deal. Um, there's a time where like the you know the the scumbag is listening to the radio the the boyfriend or whatever is listening to the radio and Masatepe gets a mention which is like my dad's hometown so like, oh crap like I was literally <laughs> like Rick Dalton meme the entire freaking movie like it was <laughs> uh, it was just amazing and it was it was just so refreshing to see something like that because oftentimes like when you see Latinos in film and it's partially because you know there just hasn't been as much distribution in Nicaraguan films and investment in them um, mm-hmm. you often get and I've talked about it on the podcast you yeah. often portray like a monolith of Latinos and there's like only one characteristic that they have there's only one way to say it in 
in Spanish, et cetera, et cetera. And it was great to kind of see like the vernacular that I grew up, um, mm-hmm. talked about being on screen. Um, and then the Nicaragua that I know, even like when he goes into the newspaper guy's office, the, or, you know, his boss, he's like telling him like, you know, Hey, I lost my bag and my laptop. There's like that Lord of the Kanya sticker, like right there, which is like mm. the best rum out of, out of Nicaragua. And I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed, um, but the university that's shown, the Universidad de Centro America, um, the statue there, that's actually St. Ignatius, which is like the founder of the of the Jesuits, and that's actually where my grandpa studied. So it was like great to kind of see cool. that and like mm-hmm. be like, oh crap, they got the Jesuits in here, let's go. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> um, which is such an important part of, uh, of my life and like the only kind of connection that I have with my grandpa. So, um, you know, cause I, you know, never got to be, so it was just, it was just great to kind of see all those little details and, uh, it was great to kind of get that fan service, uh, for Nicaraguans oh. cause we just don't see ourselves on the, on the screen. That's really important. Nice. Yeah. It was, a. Uh, uh, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great thing to hear. Thank you for sharing with me with, uh, with that. And, uh, uh, so yeah, let's get to the final thoughts for this movie. La Yuma. Guti, why don't you go ahead and, 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 and start us off since this is your pick uh, close to you and coming off those final beautiful words that you had oh man uh, well uh, kind of kind of similar thought to what I just kind of said um, there was like an interview I was watching with uh, Yahweh um, Yahweh um, uh, that was conducted by the Cine Cine Americano um, and she mentioned I'm loosely paraphrasing here that Nicaragua is a country that's kind of lost its identity because it has no films or TV shows, which show the world, the Nicaraguan people's reality and who Nicaraguans are as people. Um, and it diminish and because of that, it diminishes Nicaraguans kind of ability to, or at least to a for- one form to self-reflect on who they are. Um, and that statement was really profound to me. Um, because I, you know, no, I, I know we all kind of come to the movies for different reasons, whether it be like for entertainment or maybe like escape our reality, um, see our favorite characters on screen, which over the years become our friends. Um, but to me, the most, be- one of the most beautiful things about films, their ability to preserve a country's culture, their history and their identity. Um, and it's, one of the many reasons why I love watching classic films because I'm able to kind of like transport myself back in time. Um, so for like example, watching memories of underdevelopment seeing 1960s school, uh, you know, watching the sweet smell of success and seeing 1950s New York city. Um, so not only is it like cool to kind of see the cities and what they were like and the culture at the time and et cetera. Um, but also has many lessons for us and, other art forms do that, but in my opinion, um, there's nothing more powerful um, than film. Um, and I think it was uh, George Santayana who once said, uh, those who can't learn from the history are doomed to repeat it. And this is basically all to say that films are, are super important, often more important than we realize. The fact that the government hasn't supported the industry, again, not a political podcast, but the fact that the government <laughs> hasn't supported the industry as much as it should kind of worries me and by not supporting it it's almost like robbing the Nicaraguan people of their culture and heritage um, but I guess for now you know, all we can do is support these films uh, and hopefully kind of like the government uh, gets their act together soon um, but for now even though this film is definitely you know it's rough around the edges um, and the conclusion did kind of jump out at me like whoa that came out of left field um, like you were mentioning as well I'm proud that we have this film that at least preserves a small inkling of our culture. Um, I hope that there's many more to come. So for now, given that context, I'm going to give this three stars. Three, three stars nice. from Guti for the first Nicaraguan movie here on the Real Latinos. Thank you so much for those words. Ron, how about you? Final thoughts? Um, <clears throat> so I, I had two things that, uh, that I wanted to mention. One similar... I've said it a million times. This is not a political podcast. Um, <laughs> and I know very, very little about Nicaraguan politics. Um, really? Uh, mo- most most of what I know is from pop culture, uh, to be honest with you. But 
um, I, I do know a bit about the, the person that has been in charge of that government for a very, very long time. And, um, when, um, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, when, and if we were going to cover a Nicaraguan movie before, and, you know, like a lot of times, um, movies from this part of the world can tend to be very politically charged, um, when uh, when I was looking up a little bit about this movie, I, I clicked on a, a link that took me to um, an older uh, newspaper page, and uh, the page had been taken down, and all there was was a message about how the editorial was uh, the editorial staff was in exile, um, and uh, yeah, there's just there's I I know very little about about my my friends you know um, homeland and uh, or my friend's family's homeland, and I I would like to know more just based on what what I saw in this movie and 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 the bit that I've seen about um or or the that I've learned about uh you know it's it's political history uh so you know that that sparked that in me um but I also really appreciated that this wasn't a political movie uh I thought that it was going to be at the beginning um because in in the opening scene while I loved that it was baseball in in the opening scene um, they're playing baseball with police officers, and I was wondering how big yeah. of a role the uh, the local authorities were going to play in in this movie and this you know this woman's you know um, struggle to to try and box. I thought that it was going to be a lot more uh, you know authoritarian than it ended up being, um, and I did appreciate that it was uh, very focused on this community and the interpersonal relationships within it, rather than um, you know something that. Um, that the dove a lot into the politics, um, even though that is very important to to learn about as well. The other thing is, I'm a sucker for found family stories, and uh. um, you know, as as the story goes along, she kind of collects, um, you know, Scarlet, who the in the very beginning when they kind of meet, um, you kind of get the impression that they're going to be adversarial, but uh, she ends up, you know, kind of replacing her mom in a, in a lot of ways. And then also the the you know the relationship between her and uh, La Cubana, um, you know it's you know like when when she takes off with her little brother and little sister, you know, it, it, no questions asked, just come stay with me, like you know like just get, get him ready for bed, you know like it's there's there's not no even, one sleeps outside. Yeah, she says, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's just there's not even discussion. It's just like you know these you know these are your people and and they hold you up. Um, and I I really dig uh, dig stuff like that. Um, it is very apparent that the budget is very low. Um, <clears throat> uh, to say that there was acting in this movie, it, it can be a little generous. <laughs> um, I, I, I did think that the central performance was good. Um, a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the secondary characters, um, you know, yeah, it, it was kind of apparent to me that they were probably just like whoever was hanging around. Um, and she tried to but, hide uh, it. I don't know if you noticed with the camera work, like she would specifically uh, focus on Yuma while the other character was still talking. Right? And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. These are reactionary shots. Uh, That's why. Yeah. There, there, yeah. Were, there was, um, there was some, some trick editing <laughs> in, <laughs> more, more than once in, in this. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the look of it, it did, you know, it, a lot of times it, it kind of felt to me like the same way that like an after school special would, would, would look and feel. Um, I thought the, the story was, was fine. And I did appreciate, like we, we said, I did appreciate that um, it, it, uh, it, it sidestepped some expectations on how stories like this usually go, even if the ending seemed abrupt and out of left field. Um wasn't we don't need to get into like animal rights or anything wasn't super thrilled to see um yeah, some of the some of the zoo stuff um i'm i'm not even as as critical about that as a lot of other people tend to be but that it, it made me a little uncomfortable i'm not gonna lie um <clears throat> but um oh I, overall though i i you know i i thought this was a fun little look at um look at a part of the world that i'm i'm not familiar with and um I don't know that it's gonna stick in my my memory super long, but I am glad that I've seen it, and I'm I'm glad that um, I I got to know a little bit more about you know like where where Guti's family's from. So I'm I'm also at three stars for it. Artist run, baby. All right, no pressure as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, no pressure, no pressure. But uh, overall, I feel like I had a really good time with this movie. I, I honestly, like, it was low budget, but I think they made it work really well. You know, I thought the the shots that they had were really well done. One in particular I thought was, like, incredibly well-framed was, like, early on in the movie where you have Yuma going into the house and the, like, scumbag boyfriend from her uh, from her mom, he's, like, hanging out in the hammock. But the lighting and the composition of that shot specifically, I thought, wow, like, this looks really, really well done. You know, like, there's there's definite, like, like yes, money can, can bring you a long way, but... It's nothing without skill, and I thought there was a lot of skill happening here. Even the ocean too, when they go to the beach and stuff, I thought those yeah. were pretty good too. Yeah, it looks amazing, and I can't believe we didn't talk more about the ocean. No, he's all about the the water, water is <laughs> themes. But anyways, we we continue on, we push forward, <laughs> and the yeah, I just I I had a really nice time with this. I uh i actually don't have too much of an issue with the ending being a little abrupt you know i thought i, I mean it definitely is abrupt but i kind of dug it you know i i like the fact that it was like in the circus it's unconventional and it was just really nice so overall i'm at three stars for this movie so across the board three star banger for la yuma yeah so Overall, yeah, three stars is good. So yep. we all thought it was a good movie. Rod and Ismail, you're still, you're still welcome to Nicaragua. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually in Nicaragua one time, yeah. Really? I, to, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was there for uh, a program called Global Brigades where, like, engineering students, or not engineering students, but in, in my undergraduate, it was a lot of engineering students that went over to Nicaragua with uh, this program called Global Brigades where you help, like, communities... Uh, build out infrastructure for different sectors. So our sector was a water brigade. So we went in and we like we basically built latrines. We built uh like we dug up like a really really long stretch uh for piping so that they could get access to water. And yeah, it was a really nice fulfilling time. Yeah, it was like like two hours away from Managua around there. Oh, uh, okay. So you know if you yeah, were was, if you uh, went south or north from Manila. I I'm gonna be honest. I I I think it was north. Oh, I know okay. that I was close to Esteli oh, because okay, yeah. one of the days we went to Esteli uh, to just check out the the city and yeah. So yeah, I've been to Nicaragua. I'd love to go back again. You know, and uh, wonderful people. One of them is here hosting the Real Latino Show. You're too kind. So, You're kind. Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, Let's uh let we we don't really have any letters this week, but if you do want to send in a letter, please reach out to us at all of our social media handles. We're in Twitter and Instagram, both at Real Latinos. Uh, that's at R E E L L A T I N O S, and also send us an email over to our email, which is reallatinos at gmail.com. R E E L L A T I N O S at gmail.com. Uh, send us letters, send us voicemails, send us whatever you'd like. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, an opinion on any of the movies that we've covered, including, but not limited to, La Yuma. So, what's the next we're going to be looking at? It's my turn to pick. I We're finally had... doing Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, yes, yeah it's, time, baby. it's here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, no, we're not. We're not doing Cannibal Holocaust. I was looking, like, okay, so, full disclosure, a lot of the movies that we had recorded over the past couple of weeks were a lot of a lot of downers a lot of serious <laughs> movies uh, a lot of a lot of that so i thought you know what i'll come in and try to come up with like a genre movie but at the same time i also wanted to get a genre movie from a country that we have not covered yet so it was a little bit hard to do that and uh the first pick <laughs> that i had was going to be Dedicada Mi Ex, directed by Jorge Ulloa from Ecuador, but I did not go with that one because it's only available on uh, Pantalla or VIX, uh, and there's no English subtitles, so I am looking out for, for our fans, our loyal Real Latinos fan. Oh. So I did not go with that. And then I thought, okay, let's go with Puerto Rican movie. And there's a movie where the main actor is Daddy Yankee, and he also like produces <laughs> the movie. 
um, and his talento de barrio. But again, yeah, yeah, it, he's an absolute legend. But that movie, available on YouTube, also does not have English subtitles. It's like, gosh. And then it happened to me again with another, like, with an Ecuadorian movie, uh, Rata, Ratones y Rateros. I could, like, I could not find English subtitled version anywhere at all. So we are now down to my pick. My pick is from Uruguay. Oh. My pick is a horror movie. Yes. Mm. But it is not what you think. It's not what you think. I know what Ron thinks I'm going to choose. Ron thinks I'm going to choose El Morino Matine. I'm not choosing El Morino because I've already watched it. But <laughs> I am, I am choosing. Time. Yeah, very selfish. Yeah. Uh, I'm choosing a movie that came out just last year in 2022, directed by Gustavo Hernandez. It is titled Virus 32. <laughs> Virus 32. And oh. the synopsis on Letterboxd reads 32 seconds to live or die. A virus is unleashed, and a chilling massacre runs through the streets of Montevideo. On oh, Shutter, oh baby, that's yeah. What... It's available on Shutter, so make sure to go out, uh, get yourself a free trial if you need to. But Shutter is a fantastic streaming service for horror movies, and check out our next pick, Virus Thirty Two, Virus Thirty Two. So, yeah, that's our next pick. That's our next movie. Uh, I gotta admit, it was not easy to find like a pick that we could do. Uh, I really wanted to fill out more in in my letterbox map, uh, but unfortunately, of the Latin American countries that we have left, uh, none of them really had genre movies, and I didn't want to branch out and do a genre movie. So that's where we are now. So I'm revisiting Uruguay, uh, revisiting horror in Uruguay, but with a different director, different movie. So I'm very very excited. Or Virus Trinitados. And with that, we can go ahead and plug our social. So, Guti, where can people find you and your reviews on the internet? You can find me at Letterboxd uh, under the username CG Reviews, all one word. Reviews, all one word. How about you, Ron? I'm also on Letterboxd, just uh, my name, Ron Jimenez, uh, also all one word. And you can find me on Letterboxd with my initials IVM. That's I, V as in videos, M as in movies. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Real Latinos. And we hope to see you next week with Virus 32. Adios. 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 Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork provided by Luis de Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Original music provided by Torrenomat. Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima. Yeah, but I'm going to go Somos Real Latinos. Oh, you, <laughs> you already got the, the full slide the whole way. Yo, yeah, Adrian. Yeah, if you're going to go, Adrian. dude, you got to go for it. <laughs> Yo, Real Latino. Go for go for go for You sound like sloth from Goonies. Here you oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> Going to fly now. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs>